Hello and welcome to Voices in Innovation from GigaOM. I'm your host, Johnny Baldersberger, and today we have back with us Chris Grundeman. Hi, Chris. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? I am. I am fantastic. It is. It is a brisk and chilly 75 here in Texas. Uh, so it's a very frigid winter. I can't stand it. Um, so you're no, funny. It's, it's I'm beautiful. Actually- it's lovely. I'm on the other side of the state, and I woke up with snow this morning, which was a total surprise. Whoa, which, yeah. where are you? In El Paso. You know, El Paso is a weird, because it's, uh, geographically speaking, it's not farther north. Uh, no, we occasionally get up. snow in, we occasionally get snow in Dallas, uh, sure. in North Texas. But El Paso is a weird one because it does. It does get snow sometimes. It's strange. Well, and not very often, though, I hear. I mean, this was uh, people, people, the locals are freaking out. So it's wild. No, we do. We do do that whenever the uh, whenever the ice gods get angry and send their their rage down to the earth here. Exactly. Um, so we have you on the show because you have a brand new key criteria uh, report. Um, this one is on network operating systems. Uh, I assume we're specifically going to be talking about Windows, Linux, and uh, Steam OS today. Almost. Almost. Okay. Almost. <laughs> how about how about we just dive into it? Uh, yeah. Explain explain what the difference is between a network operating system and you know a, an independent machine. You know the PC operating system. What are we talking about here? Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually a really good analogy, right? Because you know. And, and it's similar, you know, um, they're not the name brands you would necessarily know, um, you know, from a consumer perspective, uh, but there are quite a few companies out there that produce a network operating system. And really, you know, when you break it down, any company that's producing network hardware over the last, you know, 20, 30 years was also a network operating system vendor. Um, and, and similar to the PC and kind of server business, what we're seeing now is a separation between the hardware and software in some cases. Right. So if you think about like a mainframe computer um, or mainframe server, the, the hardware and the software are kind of one thing. They're built to work together. Um, you can't really pull them apart. You buy the thing as a, as a single mainframe unit and, that, and away you go. And then what changed um, was you know, the advent of the personal computer and this idea that you could actually load a different operating system onto it. Right. And so now, you know, there's only a few of them, as you kind of listed out, but, but potentially you could have, you know, hundreds or, or millions even. Right. Um, so you can load windows up, you can load, uh, you know, well, if you look at all the different flavors of Linux, I guess there are, you know, tons out there available, but you bucket it all under, under Linux. Um, and, and what you have there, and especially on the server side is this kind of freedom to run the operating system that fits your needs the best. Right. And so we're now starting to see that over the last couple of years, it's being called disaggregation, um, because we're disaggregating the hardware from the software. And we're seeing that same thing happen where what used to be always you know, these big monolithic mainframe routers, switches, whatever they were, um, we're starting to be able to buy that stuff separately, right? And so they, you can buy a bare metal switch and you can buy a network operating system and you can load the operating system onto that switch. And so you can run different operating systems at different times. You can switch your operating system without switching the hardware. There's a lot of advantages there potentially. Um, and, and one of the big ones is, you know, picking the hardware that's best for your application separately from picking the operating system that's best for your application and your operations. And, you know, coming at this from, you know, a, a layman point of view, um, we're fairly used to um, the, uh, how do I say, it? the 
enmity between uh, operating systems, uh, you know, there's a lot of elitism. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to, for PCs, of course, is what I'm talking about. I don't know anything about operating systems, which is why we're here today. Um, you know, it comes down to, I think, what you're used to. If you grew up on an Apple product, you're used to, you know, the Macintosh operating system. If you grew up on PCs, you're used to Windows. And if you got into uh, programming and really liked hacker movies in the late 90s, you use Linux. Sure. Um, so, you know, but but again, from a, from a point of view of, you know, actual use, is there a lot of difference in these operating systems that you can get? Is there a reason to switch operating systems in the middle of uh, whatever process you're going through? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely still going to be a big deal, right? To want to change your operating system. And I think there is, um, I'd even call it, you know, almost religion, right? Between, you know, a Windows user and a, and a, and a Mac user and a Linux user. Um, and and there's a little bit of that, right? And, and that that's even true in, you know, the kind of combined um, OS and hardware together, right? So there's a, you know obviously several big vendors out there, and there's people who who like the you know command line interface or the GUI of one versus another. Um, one of the things that's actually opening that up a little bit is that more and more network operators are using more and more automation, right? And so when you've abstracted yourself from actually you know necessarily being hands-on on the CLI every day, and instead you're working through some kind of automation software or orchestration software, um, those differences in the UI can start to be a little bit less relevant. And so, you know, imagine if instead of, you know, having to, again, kind of you know, going back to the difference between kind of this consumer aspect and, and more of the production, um, you know, enterprise aspect, where if you're running servers, um, you know, it, you could be running automation to stand up those servers. And so at some point it becomes a little less important what OS they're running from a UI perspective. And I think that's where a lot of the religion comes in. Um, and so then what that leaves you with is features and functionality, right? So how does this operating system operate and what features does it provide? And that's a big part of what we tried to look at um, once we get into the radar um, of these operating systems and comparing the actual different vendors is what use cases they are built for. Um, because I think the, the, the features being used is very different. And what we've seen, right, with some of the, you know, the, the big, um, again, kind of nested hardware and uh, software players that are out in the space today is because customers keep asking for more and more features, uh, they end up adding more and more features. Makes sense, right? But then you end up with this feature bloat. And so potentially, if I'm going to buy, you know, this, this router, and I only need three of those features, but, you know, 12 of them are built in, then I may be facing bugs or security vulnerabilities for features that I don't even use or want, right? And then of course, if the one feature that I do want is missing, it's really hard to get it put in. Um, and that's where this kind of, you know, uh, diaspora of, of network operating systems is kind of exploding right now is, is interesting because I can pick ones that are specifically have the features I want or, or specifically don't have the features I don't want and really hone in on my specific use case um, and again, as that changes over time, if that vendor is not playing with me in a way that I'd like, or, or sometimes these are open source projects where maybe that isn't, you know, keeping up with what I need, uh, I can move on. Um, now as saying all that, I don't want to paint this as a black and white picture that, 
disaggregated operating systems are like the only way to go in the future. I mean, that's definitely what we focused on in this report. Uh, but obviously, you know, using your analogy, um, you know, an iPhone is very much integrated hardware and software. And because of that, some things work better. Um, and so there's always use cases for that as well. So I don't want to make this as a kind of a, you know, us versus them conversation. Um, but I am talking about the advantages of disaggregated network operating systems, because that's what this report is about. Sure, you know, we are, we are big proponents here at GigaOM of choosing the right solution for your specific use case. But, but speaking on that, uh, the table stakes for this specific report are runs on bare metal, uh, meaning that it can be added to a uh, hardware with no OS currently on it. You can just slap it on whatever you have and it will work. Um, yes. Um, now there is a, a bootstrap program called Oni. Um, this is mm -hmm. pretty much the common standard. And so uh, and in most cases where we expect that Oni would be you know, operating on that um, hardware. So not completely bare metal, um, but, but yeah, really close. There's no real software running on other than the, the bootloader. Okay. Uh, and for this report specifically, Dissegregated. Yes. And uh, the last one, standalone. Now, the, I'm a little confused on standalone because it sound it seems to me like the other two things would necessitate the third. Yeah. So the reason we added that is because there are some solutions that um, can can both be you know it's software that you can run on on a bare metal switch. Um, it's Disaggregated. And so, so first, let me talk about those two, right? Because I think that matters, right? So disaggregated means you've, you've taken the software and you're selling it separately from the hardware, right? And a lot of these companies don't sell hardware at all, right? They only sell the network operating system. And so you would say, okay, well, doesn't that, you know, how is that different than runs on bare metal? And the reason is there are some instances where folks have taken their operating system and they just turn it into a virtual machine or a container and you can run it in the cloud, which is great. And it's disaggregated, but it doesn't run on bare metal. And so we wanted to specifically look at network operating systems that you could load onto a switch onto real hardware, you know, in your data center, um, on premises somewhere in your campus, um, in your, you know, that pops around your ISP backbone, whatever that might be. We want to make sure that it could run not only disaggregated, but also on bare metal. And then the standalone piece layers in this third component, which is there are some solutions out there that are kind of um, system-wide atomic, I'll call it, where you can't just load the OS on a switch and use that switch. You have to also use some kind of orchestration platform where you have to have multiple switches tied together. There's some database that's offline that needs to connect to them. And so they actually don't run standalone. Now, again, we're not trying to make a value judgment there. We just really wanted to set clear lines around the space we were looking at. And so we wanted to look at disaggregated software that could run on any piece of hardware without an outside, you know, third parties application supporting it. Now, moving from table stakes to key criteria, we're not, look, for those of you who have never listened before, welcome. The key criteria reports follow a number of different uh, metrics that we look at. We look at how it's deployed, what market segments it's best for. We look at table stakes, which are the things that a technology needs to have to be viable at all. The key criteria, which is where these technologies really can differentiate themselves, and emerging technology, which is what's around the bend, what's future forward, so to speak. 
Um, we just talked about the table stakes and I like to mention all of the table stakes because again, it's, it's the air conditioning and the seatbelts and the steering wheel. You don't have them. You don't have a viable technology. Uh, key criteria. Let's just touch on a couple of these things. Um, specifically let's hit on openness. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a key one here, right? Because I think that this, you know, this move towards desegregated software in the networking space is tied up with this idea of open networking. Um, and what I mean is, you know, there's, you know, a, a potential story there around using a more open system, which allows you to tinker more, right? And so some of this comes out of the hyperscalers who are really customizing a lot of things for their specific use cases. And this is another instance of what I like to call trickle down technology. Um, which is not tied to 80s economics, but is a lot about the fact that new technologies tend to get deployed by the folks with the biggest bankrolls and the most specific use cases first, right? So whether that's the telcos or the cable codes, or in, in today's age, a lot of times the hyperscalers, right? These folks who are running massive data centers, globe spanning networks, um, and are doing some really interesting stuff. And then what happens is once they iron out the kinks on some of these things, enterprises start looking and saying, oh, wow, that looks cool. It looks stable. I can try that, right? And so I think this disaggregation and potentially openness within the network operating stack is part of that. And so there's a couple aspects to openness, right? I mean, one, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, just, just general compute OSs earlier. Um, and what's interesting is um, most of the network operating systems that are out there today are based on a Linux kernel, actually. Um, so you were actually closer than you thought, Johnny, when you're talking about, you know, Windows versus Linux versus, versus Mac OS. Um, it's pretty much all Linux underneath. Um, there are a few who were, who were BSD in the past. I haven't seen that as much lately. Um, and then, of course, there's folks who have done completely proprietary things. But more and more, the disaggregated folks, the folks that are in this report, are, are really focused on, on a Linux kernel, um, which has some advantages, potentially. Um, and then beyond that, though, you can kind of judge a particular network operating system by how open it is. Right now, most of these are not free and open source software that you can just download and use. Most of them have some kind of commercial component, which you would want, right? They're doing testing, they're doing, they're giving support, uh, many of these things. Um, but in many cases, the more open they are, the more, uh, again, you can kind of tweak and tune it. So if you want to change out what you're using for your routing stack, or you want to add an agent, or you know, you want you know something specific happening on the box in addition to that operating system, you can kind of just add that as you want. Whereas traditionally, these operating systems were totally locked down, um, more like a Tesla, right? Where you can't add your own apps um, versus a phone where, where you can. And as we're going through this, uh, I also see, uh, just to name a few, switching, tunneling, telemetry. I have no idea what you're referring to. I, I do because I read the report. But uh, when I first looked at it, I wasn't sure what these various terms meant in regards to network operating systems. So uh, let's just take telemetry, for instance. Yeah. Well, I'll actually zoom out on all of them because I think it's, it's worth looking at. You know, we talked about earlier how one of the big advantages here of having desegregated software is being able to choose one with the features you want. Um, and so what we're doing here, whether it's switching, routing, tunneling, telemetry, even the network security, um, all of those things are basically um, aggregated groups of, of features, right? Um, and so switching is kind of the layer two features of, of VLANs and, and passing Ethernet uh, frames. Routing is all about the, the routing protocols and passing IP packets. Tunneling is both your VXLAN and your MPLS and a lot of other things tied up in that. 
Um, and then the telemetry management, as you called out, is really, you know, again, how do you manage this device, right? Because I believe management is all about visibility and control, right? So it's not just um, the management of, of putting information into the network and, and changing configurations of things. It's also that telemetry and what can you see from the network. And so both of those are really important feature sets for a lot of folks these days, especially when you're talking about open disaggregated systems. Um, most people don't want to be managing these as a collection of boxes, hopping from CLI to CLI, manually entering configurations and doing interface stats. Um, they want to see this, you know, aggregated through some kind of automation platform. And so those telemetry and management hooks into the OS matter quite a bit uh, for most folks who are deploying this type of system. We've talked a lot about uh, everything kind of goes back to the fact that it's disaggregated. Uh, and it's open like that. That seems to be the, the real crux of the conversation today. Uh, but let's look at emerging technology real quick, mm -hmm. because as I'm looking at the report, it seems that these things are things that we have spoken about before, specifically autonomous networks and security convergence. Yeah. Um, is this is this kind of just the direction that networks are going, period? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're exactly right to, to call that out. It's definitely coming up in, in pretty much every report um, we do on networking. It's that, yes, security needs to be part of this conversation. And yes, you know, that the journey to an autonomous network needs to be part of the conversation, right? I think, um, you know, for what it's worth, I think the security is probably happening a little bit faster um, as far as like a built-in feature of, of these platforms, right? And whether it's, whether it's SD-WAN or network as a service or these network operating systems, right, on and on, um, that security convergence is something that's like happening right now. And we're definitely seeing it continue to trend in the future, but it's really happening right now. Autonomous networks, I would say, are a little bit further out. Um, it's happening here and there, um, and it's definitely starting to ramp up. Um, and I think it's gonna be a massive trend in the future, uh, but we're still figuring out how that works. And I think in some ways we're figuring out how to trust it. Um, people have been you know, hands-on controlling this network for a long time, as network engineers and so you know letting go of that control and allowing the network to kind of be more autonomous is a little bit scary especially as we're putting more and more responsibility on those networks that makes complete sense um anytime you uh anytime you let go of the handlebars and you let your baby ride off into the middle of the street on their bike for the first time it's a little heart stopping um Especially as, as you said, you know, the world is not getting less dependent <laughs> on the information we're putting on networks and on the cloud. It's, if anything, we're moving more and more to an enlightened age where we all become energy beings of pure information. <laughs> I, for one, look forward to it. Um, Chris, in your professional opinion, how far away are we from becoming uh, beings of pure energy and information? Well, I think we are beings of pure energy that manifest <laughs> in answer. bodies. Good answer. Um, is there anything else that we should know about this report? Obviously, if you want to read this full report, you can go to gigaom.com and subscribe to the full body of information. And there's a lot of it on every aspect of IT. But in regards to this specific report, is there anything that people should be aware of? Is there anything that, uh, that was really shocking or surprising when you were going into this? Oh, well, I'm always aware of the curse of knowledge, right? And so obviously going into this, I already knew quite a bit about the space. So there wasn't too much that was totally shocking. Um, I will say the, the, the one surprise was, you know, again, this is something that 
um, this technology, I think, really was one of those trickle downs from the hyperscalers. And so the first instances were really focused on data centers. Um, but what we saw in this report, once we get into the radar, especially when we're looking at the different vendors that came in, there's several vendors that are really focused on the WAN side of things and the service provider side of things, um, which I had not been totally aware of that that was happening yet. Um, so there's been some players in that space for a long time, but a lot of the new players are attacking the WAN versus the data center, which was a bit of a surprise. And so, um, and obviously the campus is also part of this conversation. So, you know, really all aspects of networking are, are getting touched by this idea of disaggregation. And it's gonna be really interesting to see over the next couple of years, how that plays out. I uh, am terrified of the homebrew self-created network operating systems that I know some companies and likely college campuses will attempt to make for themselves and, and the problems that cause. But for now we can be optimistic. Uh, we keep mentioning the radar. Uh, mm -hmm. For those of you who aren't familiar, the radar takes all of the information in the key criteria report and applies that to the market landscape, looking at the different players, seeing where they are as far as each of these criteria go, uh, and, and seeing how viable they are, not just overall, but for different use cases and mm -hmm. different size enterprises. Uh, that will come out fairly soon. <laughs> those are those are dependent on us talking to uh, those vendors and them responding. So sometimes the timing is out of our hands, but they're fantastic, super informative, and combined with the key criteria report can really help you make an informed decision on what you need to do for your enterprise or solutions. Chris, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to me. Uh, about this and through this report. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Johnny. And to everyone out there, for all your future forward advice, go to gigom.com where you can check out our reports, our blogs, and obviously our podcast. For GigaOM, I'm Johnny Baltusberger, and this has been Voices in Innovation. Just listen.